Welcome to the Grace Church Podcast, an extension of our adult Sunday school ministry and stories of grace. Pastor Brandon here, along with Pastor Steve. Hey there. And we are committed to utilizing this platform to continue our church's rich tradition of deep theological teaching through our adult Sunday school ministry. Though this unique season of following Jesus has not been without its share of challenges, we hope that you will tune in weekly to dive deeper into the scriptures as we hear from the vast array of teachers that we are blessed to call family here at Grace Church. Well, welcome back, friends, to the Grace Church podcast. Yesterday in studio, we had Mr. John Rokey, the one and the only. And uh, so, thankfully for most people, <laughs> yeah. So, if you haven't actually listened to that first uh, episode with John, that's going to be really helpful and insightful uh, for this conversation. And so, if you're just jumping in here, I'd invite you to go ahead and stop this one and go back to that first session where John explains and expounds upon what the gospel is. So, now that you've done that and we've all heard that first session. Let's jump into some questions that we might have that we might want to just tease out together. Or, um, yeah. So, Steve, That's I believe great. you had some, or I can start with mine. But sure. First, I want to acknowledge uh, that that John, you, you said the one and only John Rokey, and my mind goes straight back to. Pentella days. Oh, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, you, you thought you were going to get away with me not bringing this up. This is a classic conversation I always bring up to John, but actually, surprise for everyone. This is an intervention where we're <laughs> actually going to pelt John with questions about Pentella yeah. and oh, that'd why be you really... guys aren't singing anymore. <laughs> yeah, so, well, uh, so, welcome to the Grace Church podcast. Oh, where <laughs> Funny, we just listened to that over the weekend on the way home from Atlanta. Did you so, really? Yeah. I always, I still have, I have the CD in my. <laughs> In my equinox and listen to it fairly regularly. <laughs> it was so, a fun time. Those are good times. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, so maybe just you talked about it briefly on, on the other one, but but maybe just as an opener here, um, thinking about your own personal life, why you felt the need to mm. define the gospel. Where does this topic come from? Not just for the podcast, but where does it come from for you personally? Why did you feel the need to to do this exercise? Yeah, I, I would say part of it was my role at Peoria Rescue Ministries, right? Um, when we say we're a gospel-centered ministry of mercy, well, and we, we have a lot of background, right? We have, we have staff members that come from a lot of different church traditions and and we're not a church per se that gathers around maybe you know the the finer points of doctrine we 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 have a broad array and and we always think about all those the men and women that we serve and i say it like this you know the spectrum of who we get to interact with is really broad we have folks that come in there that are you know grown up grown up in the church know the bible better than i do and then we have folks that I say couldn't spell God if we spotted in the G. Um, so, so, and and we A W D. Yeah, there you go. And so God. we have <laughs> going to Irwin Luther. That's right. We have that whole spectrum, and so it was how do we communicate the most important message we have, which is the good news of a pursuing loving God who 
actually has designed a rescue plan and wants to redeem us, how do we communicate that in a way that's, again, this idea of comprehensive and yet, you know, concise can't be, you know, because again, what we say is the, really all of scripture is the gospel. We don't think of it often that way. We, we sort of, we tend to reduce the gospel into what Jesus accomplished for us. And that almost becomes a legal issue, right? Mm. And there's just much more. He, he did more than just want to save our souls. He wanted us to bring abundant life. He wants us to live the life that he intended at creation. And that's what he came to do. Um, and so that's what drove it. It began there. And then it just really became a personal thing to try to understand the comprehensiveness of the gospel. Hmm. Um, you know, I think about it, um, really, it comes down to Colossians 1 in this idea of who Christ is, and his supremacy is over everything. And, you know, we won't, we don't have time maybe to go through that whole list, but here's what he says, you know, he is the beginning and supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is the first in everything. For God in his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Mm-hmm. So he didn't just save our souls, and, and there's some that's some element. No, he came to rule over every aspect, not only of our lives, but of the world. Mm-hmm. Makes me, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you, well, you go for it. It makes me think of something that I heard recently that I, I find so profound. It's this idea that The early Christians weren't fed to lions for merely telling the Romans that Jesus wants to be Lord of their heart. They were fed to lions because they were saying, no, Jesus wants to be Lord of your life. Yeah. It's this grandiose, it it affects every corner and every aspect of your life. Yes. Yes, your heart, but also your life. (laughs) And, And in our culture, it's too easy for us to, and especially we see this, I mean, we're in this post Christian culture that we sometimes don't understand, I think, in yeah. when we're in the church. But it's too easy to consider yourself Christian or be part of a church, and yet Monday through Saturday live as if there's no relevance yeah. to who the king is. Yeah, so the, this might transition in a, uh, hopefully a helpful way, but even as you're reading Colossians 1 there, I mean... When, when there's scriptures like that read, or oftentimes when Brand, Pastor Brandon will will read a scripture um, as we're going to worship, they're, they're often these just powerful verses that bring about joy, excitement, <laughs> thankfulness uh, for, for the gospel truth. And yet, so as one who grew up in the church, like myself, oftentimes when I hear a um, summation or su- summation of the gospel, I get, I get almost like my I can just glaze over it, mm. and it's just um, can almost become bored with the gospel, and it's it's almost scary to even say it that way. But I I think that especially those of us who grew up in the church, we we can have that temptation. So maybe speak towards your own, <laughs> yeah. Uh, those that that struggle with that. Well, I, again, I for me, I would say that when I think that way, and I do as well, it's when I'm reducing the gospel. Hmm. 
when I'm reducing it to, oh, well, yeah, I already understand that. That's the elementary things, and that's the, you know, Jesus died on the cross. Well, <laughs> there's so much more. You know, when you think about it as just the good news of this comprehensive aspect that we deserved absolutely nothing from this God who lovingly created us, who intended us to flourish in our relationships with Him and ourselves and others and creation. We turned our back on Him, walked away, and He still, like the Father in the prodigal son, stands there looking and ready to run to us, and in fact, really pursued us. And hmm. so you start looking at the whole breadth in the story of Scripture, and you realize that He's always been the one that's pursued us, made it happen. Uh, you know, this idea that we're not reaching up to God. <laughs> he hmm. came reaching down to us. And so, I don't know, for me, that really starts looking at it more broadly, and it it makes the whole story the gospel, not just this small element. So then, then I, then I, I realize that it impacts every aspect. Yeah. Um, you, you talked a little bit about it here, but you, you also mentioned it in yesterday's session that we reduce the gospel down, um, to have a, essentially a truncated gospel. And so I guess I would ask, what are ways that we are truncating the gospel? Uh, and what are the dangers of having a truncated gospel? Yeah. Yeah, so not even to not to reiterate, but I just say he didn't come to just save our souls. He came to bring abundant life. That's what he said in ten, you know, on ten, which is the life. I say this: the, the abundant life is the life that God intended for us to live, and that happened at creation. Uh, at, I say that kind of this as Creator King and suffering servant. Jesus came to rescue, restore, and renew all the fundamental relationships to what God intended. So through Jesus, our relationship with God can go from that of an enemy to a friend and child. Through Jesus, our relationship with self can go from shame to dignity and purpose. Through Jesus, our relationship with others can move from conflict to community and through Jesus, our relationship with creation can transform from toilsome labor to joyful work. So when you think about that, there isn't a realm or a domain or an, you know any area that he is not king. And that's the good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this really beautiful dichotomy of creation and new creation, which gets to the John yes. 3 kind of, you must be reborn. Mm-hmm. Right. New life and life abundant yeah. is what Jesus offers and gives freely. Well, and we forget often that, you know, we think, um, and this is another topic, but there's a, there's a term called evangelical Gnosticism that speaks to this idea of how we in the American church have sort of bifurcated the soul out and Mm. and kind of treat it almost as itself. And we forget that Jesus didn't say, you know, go and make converts, (laughs) (laughs) right? He said, go and make disciples. And so we think about that as just being (laughs) very, very truncated, as you say, that there's this one aspect. But we're going to reign for a thousand years with bodies that still eat like Jesus is. I mean, all yeah. those kind of things. And we kind of forget. We just think that that there's this soul aspect, but there's going to be a renewal of all things, mm. bodies, soul, mind, will, affections, everything. 
Somebody coined this term years ago of this moralistic therapeutic deism, which just yes. really hits at the heart of we we want to be th- these moral people. It's kind of this therapy, like Jesus is just there to get you through the hard times and through your life. And it's this deistic view, too, that God is far away. He just kind of wound the clock right. of time and just let it roll. And and the message of Jesus couldn't be any further from that. Yeah, the good news not isn't, hey, when you die, you get to go to heaven. Yeah, yeah. The, the good news is that he wants to give you new life here, now, and forever. Yeah, the the end picture of Revelation is God coming to dwell with mankind, for that yeah. is his place, <laughs> Yeah, what the writer of Revelation says. One of the things that, as, as we're talking, I, I just still keep going back to, am I bored with the gospel? And I, I think that as we're talking about this, I think there is a direct connection between one of the reasons we can get bored with the gospel, or um, when we think we're past it, we think we're pa- it's it's just yeah. something from the past. Right, I was saved. Right, <laughs> and, and like an event. So then now I'm I'm good. So I, I got the check mark. I, I'm gonna go to heaven. So then that means that we're all good, and and so it has no meaningful impact. On my life today, and that's one of the reasons I think that, for me at least, it might be, you know, if if I was bored during the first session, I might take that as an indicator that, am I thinking of my salvation in terms of just an event that happened when I was seven, and now I'm good, so I still go to church because I am being a good person. Right. I'm listening to this podcast because <laughs> I'm trying to do whatever. Which is everybody at our church, right? Yep, everybody at Grace <laughs> listens to this podcast. Big following. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you, you know, I mean, I, I do think that our own joy has something to do with how meaningful is the gospel applied to me today. Yeah. And so that kind of takes us to that next step is, you know, a popular term these days is to be gospel-centered. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been an attempt to help us re-understand or recenter ourselves around this comprehensive good news. And so I say it like this, you know, to be gospel-centered is to be informed and animated by the good news of a loving God who pursues, saves, keeps, renews, and enables us by His grace mm-hmm. through Jesus Christ. So to be informed by really speaks to what we do and why we do it. So the gospel tells us, right? And it, it, so it's going to direct us, instruct us, inform us on, on things we should do and why we should do it. Um, I think about it like this. The gospel informs us that we should love others. And it's the gospel that tells us why we should love others, right? Because he first loved us. But then there's a second element, and that is the gospel animates us. It actually is what makes us alive. You know, it's it's a this... I don't want to say mystical, but it is a mystical aspect that makes us alive to God. And so that it just doesn't inform us as to what and why we should do it. It enables us to do it. It makes us alive. So the gospel's alive in our hearts and our lives. And so to be animated by the gospel speaks to how we do what we do, which is through the gospel working in our own lives. And I don't know if we have time to look at it, but 1 John 4, 9... Uh, one to, or First John four nine to twelve is a perfect example of that. I'll read it. 
says this, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. There's the gospel, right? This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Yeah, we should, right? That's what the gospel's telling us. No one has ever seen God. I love that little statement. I'm going to come back to that. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And so that's that animation part. I think John's stuck in that no one has ever seen God part because he's like, uh, it's easy to say you love God, and yeah, you've never seen him. Mm. But it's harder to love the doofus next to you. Well, I'm not saying which you one pointed, that is. You pointed yeah. to me, John. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad he, he went your direction there, Brandon. <laughs> but you know, that's the reality. Life, you know, with, with each other is hard. And so John says, you know, easy to say you love God. Yeah. And, you know, here's real love mm-hmm. is when you're loving the person next to you who's messy mm-hmm. and and needs your love. But you can only do that if the gospel is now living in you. Mm-hmm. So it not only tells you you should, not only tells you why later when it says he first loved us but it actually empowers us to do what he wants us to do. It's the old Augustine. I don't know if you're familiar with Augustine's prayer that I love so much. Command what you will, but give what you command. And we we can't do it without the gospel being alive inside of us. Yeah, there's a, a really helpful phrase that comes out of, I think, more historically Reformed tradition of, I I was saved, or I am saved. I am being saved. I will be saved, and it, it hits on this: uh, I am justified mm. before God because Absolutely. of Jesus. I am moving through this sanctification as I am being saved, and there will be a future glorification in the adoption of of uh, God's children, especially yeah. at at the final justification. That's beautiful, and I think what's overwritten over all of that is the good news that God enabled that to happen, mm, right? Yep. It's not just the first part. Yeah, yeah. It's everything is yep. what the good news is about. Yeah, absolutely. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So I want to move the conversation because it's it's one... Uh, I have a question that I don't know if others will be thinking of, but but I was thinking of as, as we listened to your first presentation, um, there were... <laughs> different, I'll say, just theologically rich um, things that you just put into this. And so, I mean, certainly we're not saying that that someone has to have uh, the, this theological depth um, to to understand the gospel, and, and right. yet clearly in, in your study, you did go uh, maybe further than um, than your average person just just does and and one of the examples of that is I, I'm was meant or I'm thinking of just fully God and fully man uh, being the person of Christ and uh, that that comes from something but but were there any different like uh, theological themes or different things that you felt like well I kind of had to go yeah, why, in deeper why here. draw that out yeah well again I will say part of it is recognizing that we live in a post-Christian world, and so often, the, you know, the view of the Bible is that it's just a bunch of myths and that it doesn't mean that much. And so 
when you, you know, but to, to anchor first Christ in history, right? That hmm. you can check this out. <laughs> There's other historical references to the fact that he lived and died as a human being. That 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 is not really debated, but people don't even think that. I mean, so, but historically now, that's pretty established. And so to root that, but then to make sure that we establish his claims as fully God, because again, there's people that want to dispute that, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't refute that he was a human. There's folks that want to dispute that he was God and, and, and even say that he didn't claim it. Well, he did very clearly. And so that's a pretty important element because, you know, as, as you realize, Steve, you know, this, we have a dilemma in the fact that when we were uh, rebelled, we have this dilemma that the only person that could pay an infinite cost to an infinite God is another infinite person. Mm. So he has to be fully, you know, the rescuer has to be fully God, has to be infinite to cover the cost. But yet he has to be finite because it was a finite person who made the offense, and so he has to be like us. Exactly. Otherwise, he's he's not a representation for us. Right. He can't stand in our place. Yeah. And so yeah. And again, you know, boy, I could I could tell you I wrestled and wrestled with how do you express that in a simple way that that doesn't get too deep into the theology, yeah. but yet is still you know. And again, part of why I put all the citations in here for us in our ministry is this, so this can be actually used as a tool. Yeah. Go search, go study, go go dig out this for yourself and 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 see the richness because yeah, it's it's a summary. And and it I again, I I confess it all the time. This there is no perfect summary. Mm -hmm. Um you could Brandon and Steve, you guys could do one. It might be very different. It might still be true. It's just different aspects that we've Sort of highlight different emphasis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can I read Hebrews two that just really hits on what you were talking about? Yeah, uh, Hebrews two fourteen, starting at verse fourteen. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every mm -hmm. respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Yeah. So that hits on that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Was it, is it Athanasius or whoever? I can't remember exactly right now, but said, you know, that which he did not assume, you know, yeah. he cannot save. Mm -hmm. yep. And. And and the beauty of that again goes back to the comprehensiveness. He came to save every aspect of us, mm. body, soul, mind, heart. Every every mm. every piece of us he wants to save. Now, it doesn't happen automatically immediately. Like you said, there's the event, mm. then there's the sanctification, and then there's the ultimate redemption. And but that's good news. <laughs> mm. I mean that that becomes to become. Especially, you know, again, we serve folks who have tried a different story. I mean, we all have, right? That's the point. We all have tried our different story of how life works. And this is better news, Absolutely. the very best news of how life works. I mean, we haven't really talked 
a whole lot about Peoria Rescue Ministries, um, but w- <laughs> would you tie this more towards uh, PRM and just... Uh... Yeah, we one of our values, we've just gone through a... Uh, the last year of, of reimagining our vision, value, vision, mission, and values. And one of our values that we say is we are going to be gospel-centered. And so we had to say, okay, well then, what does that mean? Mm. It's easy to say it, but what does it really mean to be gospel-centered? So we, that's kind of what drove this saying, well, we got to have a starting place. Let's have one place of agreement where we're going to agree on the gospel but then it really is comes into that, okay, now that this is what we know, then how does that inform us? So what it tells us is we can't just preach and 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 just say, hey, great, you you raised your hand, you made a profession, you know, good luck in your pray life. To, pray to prayer. Right. Yeah. No, because Jesus Jesus wants to help you find a job. Yeah. Jesus wants you to have relationship with your family again. Jesus wants to come into every aspect of your life and rule and reign as you follow him. And so that just becomes a, a different way to minister to those we serve. That is human vocation language. What is the ultimate design of human <laughs> vocation yeah. that when God created we see very clearly in Genesis 1, verse 28, that we are to rule and reign as his image bearers exactly. over the whole of creation. Yep. So He created us to be priest kings. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. His uh, regent viceroys is how I heard yeah. it once. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to memorize one. that and find out what that means, <laughs> because that is just some good language. <laughs> yeah. No, it really is. He wants us to reflect him and then reign in his not not in his place, but as his yeah. co-regent, right? Yeah. As yeah. those who Under bear him. his image, yeah, uh, uh, over his creation. Yeah, you're get, you're getting into the dominion part of Imago Day, <laughs> and Brandon's getting excited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, let's nerd out after this, John. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But that's, that's part cool. of the gospel. Yeah, and that's yeah. what we when we rush to, you know, Jesus saves us from our sin. If we don't understand all that God intended for us at creation, mm. then that's how we get to that reduction. Mm. And then the reduction, you know, doesn't feel good in your life when you go, hey, you know, Jesus is going to save you and you're going to go to heaven. But in the meantime, you're going to suffer through life or you got to figure it out yourself. Yeah, and what does this mean for today? He doesn't want you to figure it out for yourself. He wants you to put everything underneath him. All right, John. So we we have been talking about what is the gospel. Perhaps we've been um, expounding on and trying to understand it as a redemption aspect. Right. Um, but what else would you have for us? So so we've been hitting on some of the similar themes, but what else? Yeah, I think, again, I, I say... When you, you know, taking it back to what you said about, you know, how we might get tired of or might feel we're past the gospel, you know, is because we don't see it fully. Um, uh, Piper says this about being gospel centered. I like 
like how he does this. And and if you notice, earlier we talked about the idea of being informed by and animated by the gospel. So hmm. it instructs us, it tells us what to do, but it also enables us to do it. I think just just think about how that's embedded in these statements, these three statements from Piper. He says to be gospel-centered is first to do everything you do in reliance on blood-bought grace and promises. Secondly, to be gospel-centered is to do everything you do with a view of displaying the all-satisfying grace of God. And then finally, he says, to be gospel-centered is to live so that you show the glory of God, treasuring above all things the one through whom grace comes. And so I just, man, that's really, there's some, you could you could sit yeah. and and plow into those statements for a long, long time. And then I, I just think about from a biblical example um, of what living gospel-centered is really found in, in one of Jesus's, for me, most challenging teaching in the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18. And if you remember, Jesus tells that story in response to Peter's question. And sometimes we mm. forget that, but there's a prior question to why he told the story. And, and Peter's question is, you know, Lord... You know, how how much should I forgive somebody who sins against me? Is seven times enough? And I'm I'm always thinking that that Peter has gotten to six, <laughs> and and one of the dudes, one of the other disciples, is just ticking him off bad. <laughs> Keeps doing the same thing, and he's up to six, and he's kind of like, you know, can I just one, more, one time. more time, one more, and then I'm gonna let him have it. And we all know Peter, you know. And, and so Jesus launches into this incredible story, and the point of the story is really this. Hey, Peter, if, if you really understood the immensity of the debt that God has forgiven you, you wouldn't even be asking that question. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's the point of the question, right, it's, or the story. Yeah. This, this, he tells an absurd story, which would have made everybody sort of laugh, but then at the end, he's deadly serious you know, if you can't forgive, you're not part of forgiveness. <laughs> and so that's really living gospel-centered, right, is when we understand what God has done for us, then we gather, if that's forgiveness or just mercy or grace or or uh, reaching out, all those things, pursuing, all those things take a different perspective. And we, we, we if we understand the gospel— fully and what it's meant in our lives, then we live differently. And that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah, Lewis once said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Yeah, that's right. I think right. that hits on that parable and just drives the point home, I mean. Yep, yeah, I, I, that's that's a perfect example of it. So. Yeah, but but what happens when someone has really sinned seriously against you and, and, and not... Mm. <laughs> I'm not um sometimes we we can live in the hypothetical so much that mm-hmm. to not to, not to acknowledge that there've been some really rough things that have happened to people mm-hmm. and that Absolutely. How, well, how do we reconcile to, that? Yeah, I it's mean, easier for us to sit around this table and talk about forgiving the inexcusable and then when the rubber hits the road. Yeah. Yeah. It is and and I had to go recently um, had a situation where I had some conflict that we were uh, addressing, and 
And we sat down and I said, well, you know, you, you sort of, the, the Bible gives us two options, right? One is if, if you believe somebody's your brother, then you have to seek restoration and, and mm. reconciliation. And so that's going to include that forgiveness. The other option that he gives is love your enemy. <laughs> so if you consider them an enemy, so and that yeah. I think there's truth to that, Steve. Right? There's some people that have hurt you to the degree, and they're never going to ask for forgiveness. And mm -hmm. fact, and they don't even they may not even understand what forgiveness is for themselves. Yeah. In those cases, you get to treat them as an enemy. Now, unfortunately, that's harder because what are we supposed to do with an enemy? Oh yeah, we have to love them. And we have to pray for them. We have to bless them. Not, I mean, so either way is not the, the way yeah. of Christ is suffering. Mm. Forgiveness costs. It, that's what the gospel's about. It, it does cost. Yeah, even the the loving your your brother. So <laughs> that Matthew eighteen passage when when someone sins against you and you're pursuing the reconciliation. And then at the end of it, it's treat them as an unbeliever. Oh man, that must be really terrible to treat them as unbeliever. Well, how do how do we treat them as an unbeliever? I mean, they may not have the same place in our life, but right. love is certainly an element there, yeah. right? Have to still love them. Have to still bless them, not curse them. Have to still pray for them. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I wish there was a better, easier way. <laughs> And often I take the easier way because I don't let him be king for me. Can I throw a wrench in this? And it's only because I, I've actually heard people articulate this. So I'm, I'm curious how you guys would think on this. There is a psalm that talks about hating the enemies of God with a perfect hatred, right? Mm. And so I've heard people use that as justification for how they hate their enemies and I don't agree. I don't think that that is justification because Jesus very clearly called us to love our enemies. Right. But how would you answer somebody who uses that as a, a way for getting themselves off the hook in loving their enemies? And we don't have to include <laughs> Who's this going part. first here? <laughs> yeah. How long we got? <laughs> I don't think we have that long. Oh, we're out of time. No. <laughs> Look at the clock. <laughs> John, you're our guest here. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. So go first, right? Um, you know, I think I think you almost have to go to to the Sermon on the Mount, kind of um, that that the principles there, right? This is what you've heard. <laughs> this is how you may have understood it, but this is how I'm telling you. And if in the end, you know, we believe Hebrews one, which tells us, you know, hey, in the past. God spoke a lot of different ways, but now he's kind of told us what the Son says is what counts. And and so, again, I, I think there's—don't let me, you know, misunderstand. I, we, we serve a lot of people that have been hurt so badly, hmm. abused, um, and forgiveness— you can't you can't really achieve f f full forgiveness and reconciliation unless somebody— wants that, right? Or or can engage in that. So it doesn't mean that you that but that 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 always happens, but I don't think we have the choice in in essence for us not to lay that down and be free from from that ourselves. And so I think that's why the option is 
Yes, they can be enemies. You truly can say, you're my enemy. Hmm. You don't want good for me. I don't think you want to, and I, I'm not going to be a, around you in that, but I'm still going to love you, bless you, and not curse you. I almost hear you saying, um, don't flatten out the scriptures to the point where you use the Psalms to rescue you from Jesus, yeah. because we d- we're not afforded that option. No. What mm. Jesus said goes. <laughs> yeah. In the end, yeah, he's king. Mm. Yeah. And yet, so I'm going to throw out the opposite. Don't flatten the scriptures from the standpoint of recognizing the holiness of God either, right? Absolutely. And so I am an enemy of God, (laughs) and yet I have been called, I have been adopted. Um, He has... I'm I'm a a brother of Christ. Mm-hmm. I am an adopted son of God, and and the the mystery that 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 is 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 crazy. And only by the grace of God am I not an enemy. Yeah. And um, what a beautiful truth that is. Well, and again, it goes back to that idea of there's two aspects, right? So the gospel is informing us right? You have to forgive, those kind of things. You can't do that unless the gospel is animating you, mm-hmm. unless it is living. It is impossible to do that. Well, first, why would you? But second right. of all, you can't do it. It, it just, it, it's not within us to, to forgive in those ways. And thank you for bringing that to light today and uh, truly been helpful in developing our understanding of what is the gospel. And um, though simple in some ways, yeah, uh, it, it can still, be understood. Right. It still is as simple as God saves sinners. Mm. That is, that I, actually, Jonathan, I think D.A. Carson said that, and Jonathan told me that. When I was working in this and struggling mm. with this, I said, you know, because I couldn't find, that's the other thing I was going meant to say earlier, I couldn't find this, a summary it does. It, it's not easy to just go find a summary, mm. um, but it, even when you do, you might look at it and go, "Well, that's not quite the emphasis." So, it is yeah. as simple as God saves sinners, but there's so much more. Mm. We'll end with that. Yeah. Thanks so much, John. Thanks for having me. The Grace Church Podcast is a product of Grace Church in Morton, Illinois. For more information about Grace Church, please visit us online at gracemorton.org. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll have a new episode ready for you this Sunday. And until then, may the grace and peace of Christ be with you.